Welcome, you're listening to a Serif Podcast, a go-to resource for investors, entrepreneurs, family officers and fund managers looking to learn about exciting investment opportunities around the world. Welcome, this is Chris here. So I recorded a call with Hector Quintana, the founder of Zen Global, which I think is going to be useful to you. Hector's got over 30 years of experience in the real estate industry from over 40 different countries around the world. And like us, he's very interested in and investing in Colombia. He's also going to be joining us in Medellin in August for a Serif meetup. And I'd encourage you to come and join us. The details for this can be found at serif.vc forward slash Colombia. It's S-E-R-A-P-H vc forward slash columbia i hope you enjoy the call with hector so hello to all listeners um this is chris young i'm going to be talking today with hector quintana um got hector on the phone so um instead of giving an introduction i'm going to let you introduce yourself hector well uh thank you very much for the opportunity chris i must say that i've been an avid reader of capital exploits for a long time so it's great to put a voice to all that great insight i've been reading uh, during this time. Um, I'm Hector Quintana, as you said. I'm the principal and CEO of Zen Global. We are an international real estate investment and consulting firm. Our specialty is Latin America and Asia, but we are truly global, so we're not limited to those uh, two areas of the world. And uh, we provide everything from a traditional sales and marketing a service to asset management, on-site property management, and really uh, a, a very integrated soup-to-net sort of uh, set of services for both residential and commercial clients. In fact, I actually come from a background that's even more heavily rooted in in commercial than residential. But um, and today we're really focused on on serving a global sort of uh, transnational market, and whether it's commercial or an expatriate market moving from country A to country B. Uh, both corporations and individuals are really geared towards that nowadays. It's kind of an exciting time. Uh, 20 years ago, uh, it might have been unusual for someone to be moving you know, from one state to another, whether it was a corporation individual. And 50 years ago, you know, might have been unusual for someone to be moving out of a neighborhood. But today, companies and individuals are moving from country to country throughout the globe. And we're there to provide them with great and fabulous services as best as we can. Yes, we're definitely living in a globally connected world. Um, we all do business around the world. We live in different countries, and um, that's increasingly the norm. So um, it's it's, uh, it's something that I see accelerating in the future, not um, decelerating, unless we have um, some major outbreaks of wars, which are always possible. But um, certainly a trend, and, and I think um, one of the aspects that you know we constantly cover is that are diversification and looking for opportunities that are um, provide somewhat of an asymmetric opportunity and a payoff with um, understanding what the risks involved in that are. So today what I wanted to speak to you about, Hector, was, you know, um, Colombia in particular and the real estate market there, what, what you find interesting in that market, why, and then we'll dig into some of the nuances around um, frontier markets in general and and Colombia and Medellin in, in particular in this instance. So if we just give me some ideas around um, what you find particularly interesting from an investment perspective in, in uh, Colombian real estate in general and Medellin in particular. Sure, and let me do just that. Let me move us uh, from, from exactly that kind of an approach because 
we do start from a top-down approach. So we tend to look at uh, a country market first, and then we sort of narrowly focus in and try to find those individual city markets that we find attractive, and then within those markets, we try to find the the industry commerce subsectors that are doing well, uh, that we project to be doing well over a three, five, ten year period, and we try to focus our investing in, in those submarkets so that we can really maximize sort of the trifecta of a return, country, city, and then industry sectors that, that have really great growth prospects. So in looking at Colombia as a country, um, you know, it's it's what's not to like because you know we believe in in being deep value investors, and at the same time we like a growth kicker with our value. And Colombia offers both. Uh, on the value side, we still have a nation that sadly has a, a global image and still probably too much press that says you know we're back 30 years in time. Pablo Escobar is still running through the streets of Medellin and the rest of Colombia. And, 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 you know, crime is out of control. And the reality is that Columbia left that a long time back. Uh, your first uh, segment speaker, David Steckenrider, mentioned just that. He's absolutely correct. That is something that's been left far in the rearview mirror. So whenever you have this perception reality differential, it's a great opportunity as a value investor to take advantage of that. And, and we have that today in Columbia. In addition to that, also on the value side, if you're buying into Colombia and you're using U.S. dollars, Canadian dollars, the euro, you've got a double value whammy because not only is there a perception versus reality dynamic at play in the broader global media, but you also have this great once-in-a-generation exchange rate going on right now where the peso, the Colombian peso, is getting beat up really for not any fundamental reasons whatsoever. And you can buy so much more using the US dollar, the Canadian dollar, certainly the euro. It's a great bargain opportunity on type of the already existing value. So from a value perspective, the country incites us. Um, from a growth perspective, wow. I mean, Colombia has just been growing leaps and bounds now for at least the last five years. It's a great growth story. Uh, you see it reflected in almost every economic statistic that comes out for Latin America in general, South America in specific, specifically. Colombia is, is, is a happening hotbed of investment and growth and capitalism and just new business investment. It's a nation looking to expand and exploring every possibility in the world to do just that to bring more dynamic growth to it as a capitalist nation really looking to take the next step up. They want to go to the next level. So anywhere where we would have even one of those stories, we would consider a great investment opportunity. But here we have two. We have deep value and we also have a very dynamic growth story that goes along with the deep value. So we absolutely love Colombia. It is certainly one of the three nations that we're probably most positive of in the Western Hemisphere, if, if not actually number one with a bullet. It's, a, it's an exciting place to be right now when you're in the real estate industry, and it's also an exciting place to be in many of the other sub-industries that you know, we transact business on behalf of, because on the commercial side, you, 
you have to know a little bit about all industry sectors, just enough to be dangerous. So it's a great, fascinating story. So we get in there, we open that Columbia door, and we're like a kid in a candy store. There's so much opportunity. But, you know, we do love the coast. We like that region between Cartagena and Santa Marta a lot. We, we tend to be top-heavy on coastal investments. But when we took a look at Medellin and, and the valuations of Medellin relative to, say, Cartagena, and some of the dynamics of what's going on in the city of Medellin, Medellin, excuse me, we were just overwhelmed. Um, there's so many different industry sectors are flourishing there. Your, your speaker in the first segment, Dave Steckenrider, again, touched on some of those, but you've got you know, a, high, a thriving high-tech sector and, and a great medical and a medical tourism sector, and you've got just a, you know, a dynamic, broader, just year-round, great weather tourism location. And, and you've got so much infrastructure building going on in the Medellin market that it's just this bustling, bustling sort of entity. And it just screamed to us because, you know, it trades at a discount a significant discount to a market like Cartagena, and in every way, shape, or form, other than it not being on the ocean, it is just as dynamic. Now, I happen to, to love hot, humid. It can't get hot enough for me. I'm fine with that, but the majority of the people aren't wired that way. So if you love everything about Colombia, but you don't want that hot, humid Florida, Miami, sticky weather type, sacrifice the ocean. Take a look at Medellin. It's it's just a beautiful place to be, and why not make all your money? I mean, this show is all about investing, but why not make all your money in a place you can just really experience and enjoy, and as long as you're there making money, you might as well enjoy it year-round and enjoy some great climate to go with it. So everything about the place, we just love it. It's just a dynamic story, both Columbia and Medellin. Okay, so you mentioned infrastructure, and that's one of the things that I um, I find of interest uh, Quite frankly, I'm not intending to go and live in um, in Medellin. So, and you know, I travel to a lot of countries, spend a little bit of time in them. But ultimately, I'm looking for an allocation of capital, and I'm trying to do so while mitigating the risks. So, let's, let's just very quickly cover off the infrastructure spend, which is what got me quite interested in the, in, in the initial phases some time back. Um, can you give um, listeners a little bit of an insight into um, into the actual kind of capital spend that is going on. You cover off. You mentioned the medical sector and the fact that um, we have there now uh, a fairly robust um, medical tourism um, that is that has sprung up. Um, and I know we discussed this the other day, but um, some of the infrastructure that is going in around the um, hospital out. Um, Near the Rio Negro area and um, some of the other infrastructure projects. If you could sort of give us an oversight as to what's actually taking place there and what that is likely to look like in the next sort of five, ten years' time. Absolutely, Chris. Um, and, and in fact, let me talk about that both in general and, and, and just weave it right into the specifics of some of the things we're looking at in the real estate arena in Medellin because obviously your company and your show is, is all about investing. So, so you know, I think it's, it's best we talk about it in that way and link it. Um, the, the kind of infrastructure that I'm talking about really is, again, soup to nuts covers everything. We've got a ton of new road work coming in. We've got, you know, your, your, your utilities being upgraded and expanded. You've got 
all the traditional things that you have that are kind of more you know boring unless you're you're, you're dealing with FDI foreign direct investment probably not things that you're going to touch as an investment vehicle but all that going on in the background which is all bringing a great deal more of modernity and convenience and functionality to the broader Medellin metropolitan area. So all that's going on, but at the same time, you've got just dynamic real estate construction building across the area. You've got the city itself, Medellin proper, growing at an amazing rate, more office buildings, more retail shopping centers. Uh, the speaker during the first segment uh, commented on how you know uh, Medellin is a sort of a center of fashion, well it is. And every day it seems they're building up a new mall so that retail outlets have a way to connect with that public demand and, and, and generate more capitalist revenue that way. So you've got retail shopping centers being built, new supermarkets, uh, new mixed-use development projects with apartments above and, and really unique boutique restaurants and, and, and upscale pubs below. You've got just... A, just a dynamic sprawl of development going on everywhere in the real estate arena, which really gives you sort of a, a pick of the litter. But in addition, you've got not only that happening within the city limits, you've got it expanding out from the city. And one area that's a super hot zone of expansion is is that part between Medellin and, and the relatively, you know, um, very high-use airport that they have there. That whole entire stretch has become just a sort of a capital focus center for high net worth Medellin uh, businessmen, executives to migrate to, to move out to. They can be close to the airport, they can be close to their business center, yet feel like they're living light years away from the hustle and bustle of the city. But as with anything else, once you have that migration of capital out there, the services come. So you've got, again, shopping centers out there, a brand new hospital facility. You, you, you start to see that whole area growing. You've got a lot of medical support service companies that are moving out there uh, in support of the hospital. And, and so it's, it's not only dynamic within Medellin proper, but that whole stretch between Medellin into the airport out to the Rio Negro area is just blowing up in a way that is, is just almost incredible. You have to be there to really feel that energy. And one of the areas that I really like within sort of that whole growth expansion is an era called El Retiro. I think it's it's uh, it's really kind of a unique, it's almost looks like a movie set Spanish colonial town. But the whole area around it is starting to get built up. And there's just so much great investment opportunity in the surrounding land uh, around El Retiro that uh, that in itself could probably take up a whole show. We could probably just uh, microanalyze that. So, you know, I'm really excited about that kind of growth. And then I'm really excited about some things that, that were, again, mentioned in your first segment, I, the high-tech industry. Um, the the high-tech corridor that was really being built in sort of this run-down kind of abandoned neighborhood in Medellin proper, and it's been turned into this high-tech park sort of free trade zone, um, attracting a lot of international attention right now. and. That, in, that sector there in and of itself, in the surrounding areas, in the support services for the tech industry are booming. As was said in the first segment, Medellin, whether it retains it or not, is aspiring to be a major tech center 
within a very short period of time, and they're talking about on a global basis, even if they were only a quarter of successful at that goal, that is still a huge explosion in, in the, the ability to really, really wisely invest in the tech sector and in real estate land that supports the support industries around the tech sector. It's a great investment opportunity there for, for any client base. And then you have you know the medical services arena. Again, the expansion that we see with this new hospital is just one example. There's the need for new medical centers throughout Medellin. There's, there's land in the right place and the right path of progress to create that. And there are those investment opportunities. The new hospital on, on the road to the airport itself is breeding a ton of medical activity around it with tons more room to grow given the projects that are already on the books for residential and office and retail in that area that are going to be coming online and the more that probably haven't made the books yet but are probably going to be coming online. So, you know, you have that investment opportunity as well, whether you want to sort of chase the path of progress and, and get ahead of it out towards the airport region, or whether you want to do it right in the bulk of the city, finding that right parcel of land for medical industry support services also, or maybe for the next great medical center or hospital. The opportunities are strongly there in another booming high growth industry like medical services. And one thing I'd be looking into in that segment of the, of, uh, of the real estate industry market is any opportunity for a medical tourism operation because medical tourism is booming. Cosmetic surgery is a huge, huge money maker in Colombia. Colombia and Brazil probably per capita have more cosmetic surgery done just with domestic populace alone than anywhere else in the world. And then there is all the foreign domestic of, excuse me, foreign traffic into the domestic market of Medellin that is interested in the medical tourism, cosmetic surgery field. Tons of opportunity there and to train professional staff to do it really well and do it right. So all you've got to do is find the right parcel of land or the right existing project that you can maybe rehab and convert into such a facility and you've got a guaranteed money maker or as close as you can ever come to that. In, in Medellin, so excited about that. And then the last uh, of the four sectors that I'm really excited about is just the full-blown pure tourism sector. I think we've only scraped sort of the very, very surface as to what Medellin can become. And when I talked about things like the weather, I know you're running an, an, an investment show, Chris, but it is all about investing. These are the things that tourism dollars look for. They look for great year-round comfortable climate. They look for a city that's vibrant, that's got nightlife. They've got great restaurants, a great pub to sit down and have a drink, a great coffee house to have you know, a latte or a cappuccino. That tourism market is going to bring in your capital. And that capital is going to represent the investment opportunity that many of your listeners will be able to partake of. So it's all interrelated. You can't separate them in my mind. And the tourism there, industry there, is ready to just boom. Um, I've, I've felt it before. There's a city in here in, in Ecuador, which is where I'm located, we're headquartered out of right now, uh, called Cuenca, that experienced the same thing about seven, eight years ago. And it just dynamically took off. And Cuenca can't hold a candle to Medellin. It, it, it would be Medellin super light um, and so much more to offer. So 
great subsector of MedU, in my opinion, is look for that great, again, either existing operation or maybe conversion rehab opportunity to create a boutique hotel and cater to that tourism market that's ready to explode. I think that there's great opportunity there. If there's there's mid-sized hotels in the 100 to 200 key range that are that are available right now in that market, which you know would make a great investment for someone with that kind of capital. But it doesn't have to be that. A good 10, 15, 20 unit boutique hotel would do fabulous in the heart of Medellin or on that beautiful scenic road between Medellin and the airport. So I would certainly be looking at that market strongly. The opportunity in, in Colombia in general, Medellin in particular, to me is endless, and, and I think uh, any investor would do good to take a look at the great value opportunity mixed in with the growth kicker that Medellin and Colombia have to offer. I think there's a lot of opportunity to make some serious money. Um, let's. We've all done business in um, emerging frontier markets. I don't want to have any perceptions that this is easy. So let's, um, if you could give cover off some of the some of the difficulties around um, investing in, in in a foreign country in Colombia in particular, and you know you always have this you you get what is called the gringo price, right? Um, if you and I front up um, to to make an investment, it's quite often a situation where um, because we look the way we, we do and we're clearly foreigners, um, we're going to be taken advantage of. That's that's normal. That's expected. And, and it happens in, you know, uh, anytime we're in Southeast Asia, Middle East, Africa, you name it. Um, can you give me a little bit of um, color around what that's like in Colombia? And, um, and then also second to that, but quite equally as important, land title. Um, we've got, you know, for readers um, and listeners, we have fee simple title, which is actually quite unusual in many emerging markets. It's actually not normally that easy for foreign ownership to take place. And that is one of the factors that is prevalent in Colombia. And I wanted you to just sort of cover up the, the land title and legal ownership side of things as well. Well, I mean, when it's uh, it, it, it's sort of a, a multi-functional set of questions you just asked, Chris, and I'll try to uh, address them as concisely as possible. I think you're right. I think anywhere in the world that you go where you're the, the foreigner, you're the expat, you're the outsider investor, there's always going to be you know, that, that segment of the market that's going to say, we've got a live one, we're going to try to take advantage of that. And I really don't think that that much matters if you're, you know, a multi-billion-dollar corporation or an individual with, you know, five hundred thousand dollars to invest—it's really not that different. Uh, I think you get that treatment regardless. Ways that you can mitigate that are to do things like work with a professional global real estate investment consulting firm like ours that has a network of people that we can trust and that have built up a, a sort of a, a working knowledge. And, and, rep and reputation and rapport with the local market where we can sort of get to the point where we have them understanding that they will actually do more business and eventually be more profitable if they don't give us the runaround, if they don't give us the quote-unquote special treatment, if they don't treat us differently and they don't treat us at a disadvantage because we can bring in a lot more deals and a lot more capital their way if we get a fair price. So you want to work with folks like that. And you also want to work with folks like 
the speaker in, in, in your first segment, you know, a, a legal company like Stefan Reiner, Cerner and Associates, that also provides a host of other you know, services for expat corporations and expat individuals that come into the country that are, that are looking to invest. You want to have that sort of trusted legal counsel and that network of services in country that can sort of open doors, make introductions, and facilitate business-to-business -business transactions, person-to-person -person transactions. I think that network, and one of the great things that Capital's Exploits has always done is sort of create that global network. That great network of, of individuals and, and, and teams that you can put in place in various countries across the globe, Colombia being one of them, that is essential for any investor to really have access to something like that. It's invaluable. And, and it's something that I you know, highly recommend. Um, in terms of things such as title and, and other sort of issues that could come up from a legal standpoint in real estate ownership in Colombia, um, Colombia is a country that, and, and, I, and I have to qualify this a bit, Colombia is a country that's got its, its roots and basis in Napoleonic law, just like its neighbor to the south, Ecuador, where we're at today. There's just been an evolution in Colombia off of that Napoleonic law. Uh, that, that Ecuador has not seen. Ecuador is still very deeply rooted in a purely Napoleonic system. What you have in, in, in Colombia now is, and perhaps it's, it's, it's closer relation, working relationship with the U.S. or, or some other factor. I really am going to be candid and tell you, I don't know what the motivation has been, but there's been a shift in many respects, even though legally we have to let the audience know it's a Napoleonic law country, to a more English common law friendly type of environment. So it's becomes kind of odd hybrid, if you will, in a practical legal sense. So one has to understand though the rule of law is still Napoleonic law, but there's been an evolution in, in the case of, of, of court rulings and, and things that have made the country a little bit more co English common law friendly, if you will, than say its neighbor to the south, Ecuador. Um, but yes, uh, in, in, in Colombia, you have a system that is a fee-simple system, like you would in, in the U.S., like you would in the, in, in the U.K., like you would in Canada. It's a, it's a straight fee-simple system. It's a pretty, pretty straightforward process, closing process. Every country has a slight bit of variance and difference, but it's not altogether that different than you would in any other fee-simple country to go through the process and the steps for a closing um, and, and to take title to the land. The one thing that really sort of separates um, Colombia a bit is not something that I think, so I won't dwell a lot on it, that is really going to be a primary interest to your, to your listenership, but that is um, if, if you ever want to, for whatever reason, establish a permanent residency in, in Colombia, it's important that you bring the money into the country and that you make that transaction in Colombian pesos. Um, you, you can't, for example, buy a piece of land to try to qualify for citizenship as an investor in, in, in making a capital investment in the country and offer to pay the owner of that piece of land, say, into a French bank account, a U.S. bank account. It won't work that way. The, the money has to physically come in, has to be in Colombian pesos, and has to be registered. But dealing with a primarily investment type of audience, your listeners are probably never going to encounter that. It's not going to be an issue to them. What they want to do is be able to come in, have that, that, that capital work for them, have that exchange rate that's in place right now that's so fabulous that really it, it can't last forever because fundamentally it's really, really 
really not something that one can explain on a fundamental basis. So take advantage of that sort of market inequality that's taking place right now and really, really put those investment dollars to work. And if someone isn't looking to, as you said earlier, Chris, you're not looking to live in Medellin, they don't have to worry about that. So it's a very straightforward, simple legal process uh, to take title to land. The key is you you have to have an attorney that really knows the game in the country. It's 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 still a nation that is driven very much by ensuring that all its transactions are, are clean transactions because I'm talking legally here because of its history with you know it's not sure code of the narcotics trade. So so there there are some hoops that one has to jump to through to really make sure that the money that's that's being introduced into a deal is money that has been you know legally acquired. But it, it's nothing complicated and it's nothing that a good lawyer there couldn't take care of rather quickly for you. And I strongly advise that advise your, your listenership that that kind of competent legal attorney uh, representation is something they put foremost in the considerations. Yeah, look, I mean, any time you're getting into a situation um, where you're transacting um, value to the extent that you typically would be with a real estate transaction, if you don't get a competent attorney, you're a fool. Um, so um, very quickly, before we sign off, because time's running short on this, I wanted to um, cover the taxation aspect of, of real estate. Um, I know that there's a, it's a, um, a land tax uh, based on ownership. And then there's a um, transaction tax on sale of, of an asset. Can you just give us a little bit of color around what that looks like? Yeah, the, the, the land tax is it's like anywhere else in the world. You're really, really um, looking at a, a situation where each municipality is going to set an, a tax rate, and they're going to set that tax rate based upon that local municipality's perceived asset valuation of the acquisition in question, the property in question. So that's going to be variable and, and, and you're going to have that change um, uh, you know, accordingly. Um, Medellin and it has a strata system also of zoning their properties which could also change the valuation of your property and therefore how much tax you're going to pay on it. So they have a, a strata ranking system and you have to be conscious of what strata ranking system you're in. It affects various things, including the subject that we're talking about in regards to taxation. In terms of, of the big one, the, the, the capital gains tax, uh, once you're, you're getting ready to, to get out and, and, and take your profits, um, on paper, the capital gains tax is kind of a frightening thing because on paper you quickly glance at it and it looks like it's about 33%. But the reality is that for any property that's held for two years or longer, so if you get through a two-year holding period, that taxation rate has dropped to 10% now. And that is a much more palatable sort of capital gains tax. It, you know, For me, there is no palatable capital gains tax. To me, they should all be done away with on a global basis. But at 10%, given the profitability potential of a market like Colombia as a whole, Medellin in particular, as we're talking about mostly Medellin, you know, that is still a worthwhile investment to make even with a 10% capital gains hit on the backside. But that, in the time that we have left, is kind of a brief summary of how the taxation system works in Right. On, on that point, um, this is a little bit of a side topic, but if you're purchasing real estate that has um, buildings, not just land, 
Is it possible to depreciate the buildings as well? And yeah, there's a depreciation schedule. I'm going to tell you that that is something I leave most mostly to to accountants and tax attorneys. But there is a depreciation schedule that's associated with it. Uh, I don't I don't have it memorized off the top of my head, but I would encourage anybody to obviously before you make an investment, considerable. Uh, you know, acquisition of your, and, and use of your resources to, to consult with someone that's either an accountant or consult with someone who's a tax attorney and see how you can sort of put together any acquisition that you make in country in general, Medellin in particular, so that it's most advantageous to you from the standpoint of maximizing your depreciation and also obviously minimizing uh, whether it's your assets value for taxation and minimizing your capital gains tax as you're exiting uh, a deal and, 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 and closing out a position. So my advice is, as always, go to the go to the most detailed expert you can. If you're going to do something with real estate, you know we certainly welcome anybody's inquiry. But if you're going to deal with a tax matter, deal with an accountant or tax attorney. If you're going to deal with a legal matter, deal with someone who's who's an attorney 24/7 and get the best advice possible. No, all all good advice. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the, the reason I ask is different jurisdictions we found, you, know, you can, obviously, if you've got real estate that is producing some sort of cash flows and you can depreciate, then, then it increases your yield in the properties. Sometimes there's a clawback on that depreciation on the on the time of sale. So it really depends on what you're actually investing for and length of period and whether it's for cash flows or whether it's for capital gain, whether that component comes in. So there was... Um, Absolutely. It absolutely does, Chris. And again, that's something that every investor is going to have their own sort of position as to what maximizes their interest come exit strategy time. And and that individual needs to consult with, with some personal professional help, tax attorney, accountant, someone. They can set that up for them to maximize their bank for the buck. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time, Hector. It's been awesome. Um, really appreciate it. Um, covering off a lot of the topics that we, we spoke about at some great insights. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, seeing you in a few weeks time or more than a few weeks time at our event in August. Um, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate your time as well, uh, Chris. And in many countries, I might say August or whatever time of year is a great time of year to meet there, but in Medellin, any time of year is a great time of year to meet there. So look forward to seeing you there. And, and your colleagues in office. It's a pleasure doing the show. Okay, thanks. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by Serif, a private global investment syndicate. To learn more about Serif, visit www.serif.bc. That's www.serif.bc.